Luke 15, verses 17 through 24. It says, but when he came to himself, everybody said he came to himself. He said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to spare? And I perish with hunger. Talking about the prodigal son here. He said, I will arise and I will go to my father and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. And I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion. And he ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. Everybody say, the father ran. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight and am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servant, bring out the best robe and put on him, put it on him and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fatted calf here and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this, my son was dead and alive again. And he was lost and is found and they began to be merry. They were excited on that day. And I want to jump, jump to 2 Timothy real quick. 3 verses 12 through 14. 2 Timothy 3 verses 12 to 14. You don't have to turn there. It says, yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. But evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But you must continue in the things which you have learned and have been assured in. You must continue in those things. The world's going to get crazy. Done did. Check that one off. Evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse. Deceiving and being deceived. But... Church, you must continue in the things which you have learned, the things that we know, and the things that we are assured of. There's one thing I'm sure of this morning is this, that his word will never fail. It's that the name of Jesus will never lose his power. It's that when, until the trumpet sounds, if I'm baptized in his name, my sin is guaranteed to be washed away. That when I repent and start walking towards him, my life's going to change. And the promise is there that if I lift my hands and I say, Lord, I prepare myself for your spirit to be poured out, that I can receive the gift of the Holy Ghost today. I'm assured today in those things. Amen? Amen. So for a few moments, I'm going to speak just on this topic, the assurance of a welcome home. The assurance of a welcome home. My second title would have been this, and I fought all morning which one to go back and forth, but so I'll just do both. An assured restoration an assured restoration you see Joel I I wasn't going to read this but I'll go ahead and read it anyways but Joel 2 and 25 says and I will restore to you the years that the locusts have eaten the canker worm and the caterpillar and the pommel worm it says and I will restore unto you I'm here to tell you this, this morning that the Lord spoke to me very clear this morning that there is someone in this room that God is going to restore unto you that which sin hath taken. God is going to restore unto you the things that the world has robbed you of. The things that you have been shorted of. God is going to restore somebody in these altars this morning. If you believe that, put your hands together and magnify the Lord. 
Come on, give him praise for about 30 seconds in this place. Come on, give him everything you got in this place this morning. Amen. Once you find somebody, shake their hand and tell somebody welcome home this morning. You see, we are living in some kind of day and age where we seemingly have no assurance, that we are not assured that our government knows what's best anymore. We're not assured that our government knows anything anymore. Moving on. This side of the aisle, well, some of you clapped your hands. You hadn't clapped in years on that one. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. This side of the aisle says, trust me, while the other side of the aisle says, trust me. And if I'm being completely honest this morning, I'm not assured in either one of them anymore. I'm not assured in science. I'm not assured in medicine. I'm not assured in Wall Street. And if you want me to be really honest, the only thing that feels like it's assured is that this world is becoming more evil day after day and sin is more rampant than it ever has before. We're living in a day where sin is praised and godly morals and righteousness and holiness are becoming despised. It feels though we are living through the prophetic words of Isaiah chapter 60 and verse two. I'll read verse one and two. It says, arise, shine for your light has come and glory of the Lord is risen upon you. Verse two says, for behold, the darkness shall cover the earth. This is not just an American issue. Why? Because Satan is not just planted right here in America and says, I'll focus right here. Why? Because there are souls that go beyond our boundaries. There are souls that go beyond our borders. There are souls on the other side of the world this morning that he is fighting for that soul just as much as he is fighting for your soul this morning. So don't think we're alone in this. I promise you. I promise you. I talked to Brother Joe Cooney. He's been here and preached. He's a missionary over to uh, Lyon, France. And uh, they're getting ready to head back here shortly. And, and before he left to come here, he said, he said, man, the stuff you guys are dealing with, he, some, some of that stuff was actually here before it ever made it to you. Oh, wow. wow. And if you remember when he was here preaching, he preached for us last year. And he began to open some light for us of some things that have been taking place for years now that we thought was brand new to us. He said, it, it's nothing is new because it's taking place all around the world. So there is a darkness. It says here that for behold, the darkness shall cover the earth and the deep darkness, the people. So there's a darkness that's gonna cover the earth, but there is a deep darkness that will cover the people of the earth. But... The Lord will arise over you and his glory will be seen upon you. So even though it's gonna be dark, even though the, there's gonna be darkness that fall upon the people, the people of God, the true people of God are going to arise over all the darkness yes. and the glory that is within you is gonna shine through you. Amen. 
So it tells us that a darkness would cover the earth and a gross darkness would be on the people. You see, evil and darkness is everywhere, doing all it can do to manipulate and to change the things of God. It's trying to change our beliefs, change our way of thinking. It's trying to change our Christian principles that this nation was built upon. Change the institution of the family. Change that which God himself formed you to be in your mother's womb. How the darkness is attacking our children. It's absolutely appalling how it is attacking our children, but it is a gross darkness. Yeah. No doubt in my mind today, I'm assured that darkness is alive and well. Yeah. And here I am trying my best to pastor in the midst of all of it, and you're trying to live for God in the midst of all of it. You're, strive, you're striving to live right, to teach your family right from wrong. You're striving and trying to be faithful to the house of God, attempting to live this life that is pleasing unto God. And yet, in the midst of all of that going on in our efforts, there is a gross darkness that is fighting us at every turn. And so our human minds begin to say, how am I going to combat this? How am I going to combat all this change? How do I combat this society and the evil agenda that is being pushed through our news cycles and our social media? Well, one of the things you can do is turn it off. Hallelujah. You can shut the voice of the enemy that way. Well, how am I supposed to thrive in the midst of all this evil? How's the church gonna thrive in the midst of all this evil? Where is hope in the midst of all this darkness, pastor? Where is peace in all of this? Is there something different that I should be doing? Am I doing something wrong? Why is the darkness so overwhelming and why is it so heavy at times? With all confidence, I will say that I know there are times when everyone in this room, you feel the weight of darkness. Yeah in your world. There are days that you wake up asking yourself, how can I make it another day? How can I do this one more day? God, how can I survive one more day? How can I live this life one more day, God? How can I stay committed to you one more day? It's a darkness that's so thick at times that you can feel its heaviness sitting on your chest. The darkness of this present day that has birthed anxiety and depression like no other generation has ever experienced. It's funny to me, not funny, but it's just powerful to me that I've not shared any of this with anybody, but the choir just sang about this exact thing. Brother Donald, you came up here earlier and you addressed this exact thing that I'm preaching about right now. We have not talked about my notes, but God is trying to say something to the church today. He's saying today that I can assure you that there are those sitting in this room in this moment that know exactly what I'm talking about and when I speak of the heaviness, that hopelessness we sang about, the anxiety and the depression, the only thing that you've been assured of is that life is hard. Yeah. You're feeling the weight of the darkness of sin in this world. But I'm asking you this morning, I've come this morning to tell you, please hear your pastor this morning. I know it looks dark all around you, but I say in full confidence this morning that the darkness of this world is not the only thing that we can be assured of. You see, the definition of assured, just in case you don't know, it is to be confident in. Or it is to be characterized by certainty or security 
It is a guarantee. Assured. Paul warns us of this day in his writings in the second letter to Timothy. In 2 Timothy 3.13, it says, but evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. He was saying this to Timothy when he was writing these words, when he was writing this letter to Timothy. He was saying, hey, Timothy, it's going to seem like things are getting worse and worse and there will be those deceiving and there will actually be those who are deceived. There will be those using deception trying to destroy the family and using deception trying to even destroy gender. Using deception to try and dispose that this book is infallible word of God and the breathed word of God, they're gonna try to discount that. They're gonna try to push that to the side and they're gonna try to question it but here's what you have to do Timothy in the midst of all the chaos in the midst of all the change in the midst of all the deception in the midst of the darkness in the midst of the heaviness I know it doesn't look great around you Timothy but in verse 14 he says this but continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of Do not back up, Timothy. He was saying, hey, Timothy, don't change a thing you've been doing. Keep walking. Keep putting one foot in front of the other. Come on, keep moving forward. You don't need more talent. You don't need more gifting. You don't need more money. You have all you need because you have assurance in a God who is alive and well, who says, I'll be there with you. Take that step of faith. I'm gonna be there with you. Come on, keep praying for that lost one. Keep praying for healing. Keep praying for a blessing. Why? Because I'm gonna be there with you in the midst of the darkness. He was saying, you can be assured, Timothy. He's saying, just look back on those that have walked this road and taught you everything that you know, Timothy. He's saying, you're not the first generation that had to face gross darkness. Understand that you're not the first generation that had to face it. I'm not the first pastor to pastor through this. From the beginning of time, Timothy... God has stood by his people and of this you can be assured because it's been proven through time that he'll do it. It was proven through Job when Job said this, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. It was proven through David when he said that that he was young and now he was old and he had never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. I can look back on the disciples who were helping lay the foundation for the very first church during a time of paganism when the whole world was against them and the spirit of God was ever with them as they carried the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. I can look back on the dark ages. I can look back at the reformation the Great Awakenings. I can look back at the Topeka, Kansas revival. I can take a peek back and if, if, if I'm ever struggling and wondering, God, are we ever gonna have revival in the midst of the darkness? God, are we ever gonna have revival in our city? I can stop and look back to the Azusa Street revival and say, hold on. If you did it then, you can do it now. 
Understand that there was darkness everywhere. There was sin everywhere. Understand that the Bible even tells us that there's nothing new under the sun. Sin has been there from the garden. It was birthed there. And now it's just running rampant around us. And I can look and say, in the midst of the awakenings, in the midst of the Topeka revival, in the midst of Azusa Street, uh, that, that there was a great darkness. It was everywhere. There was sin in the midst of that. There were people that didn't want them to do that. I can go back to 1915 when this church was started. And I can look at Pastor Homer White, uh, who was beat up, had his nose broken, uh, had a rib broken, uh, and they were trying to kill him. Uh, and yet he gets up afterwards, dusts himself off, uh, and says, we're having revival at the church it's time to have church because he knew in the midst of the darkness that grace is still there that mercy was still there he knew that in the midst of darkness that there's still going to be a promise of an outpouring of the Holy Ghost in the midst of it all I can be assured today I know the world seems crazy but God's got this we're still going to have revival I can be assured by the words of John 16, 33. He said, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I've already overcome the world. That's my God. That's who I'm serving this morning. So even in the darkest of times, God is going to move. God is going to strengthen his church. His grace and his mercy will still be new every morning for you. God's word tells me that as my days are, so shall my strength be. He's still proven to this day that he will never leave you, nor will he forsake you. Even still, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. When you're starting to feel the heaviness, see, this is why it's important to get in the word of God. This is why it's important to put the word of God in your heart because when everything comes at you and all hell hits you tomorrow, when you're at work and you feel the heaviness and the darkness, what needs to come out of you is the word of God that says, greater is he that is in me than he that is in this world. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in this world. I know that things are gonna be trouble, troublesome. I know that things are coming, but Jesus, you told me take heart because you've overcome the things of this world. You've got to have the word of God inside of you. And I know that all hell's going to come fighting. It's going to come pushing back on you as an individual, as the church. But even still, in the midst of it all, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Of this, I am assured. Well, how can you be so sure, Pastor? Because I know who taught me. I know who exampled it to me. Because I remember the lessons taught in a Sunday school room as a child. I remember, I was actually thinking about it this morning. And I closed my eyes. And I have this crazy ability. Sometimes it's not great. But I have this, this, this ability. When I, I close my eyes, I can bring up memories. And I, and I know it might sound crazy. But anybody else, if you have that photographic memory, you know what I'm talking about. And I closed my eyes. And I could see. This is crazy. I could see the light blue walls in that brick classroom where Karen Brogroom was teaching me Sunday school that's a lot of years ago but I could remember 
and I closed my eyes, I remember it was in those rooms where the foundation of who I am was started. I remember that I know, I know that Karen, my Sunday school teacher, and now that I'm a little older, I understand she was going through some hell herself when she was teaching some, some Sunday school kids in a classroom. And there are some of you this morning that you taught Bible studies when you were facing the darkness yourself and that you were teaching a Sunday school class when you were fighting all of hell. Everything was coming at you, but you were still teaching. I'm telling you, keep teaching because someone's gonna look back someday and they're gonna say, I remember the words of a Sunday school teacher. I remember the words of my pastor. I remember the words of a Bible study teacher. I remember those words. I remember watching my parents walk with God through hard times and yet God was faithful. I remember, I remember as a child when my dad was hurt on his job, severely injured and laid in bed for months and couldn't do anything. I hope it's okay to share this, mom, but I remember when we lost that, that brand new home. I know I had to hurt you guys, but I watched you. You never wavered. You kept going to church on Sunday. You kept directing a choir. You kept playing the organ. Dad was faithful through it all. It taught me something that times might get dark, but God will always be there in the darkness. I am assured of that because it's been example to me all my life. He'll never leave me nor forsake me. I remember recently over the past few years, it'd be eight years this year, I remember having to bury my dad. I just lately had to bury my father-in-law, my sweet, precious mother-in-law. And just recently, as we all went through it together, I had to bury my incredible brother-in-law. But God's peace that passes all understanding was present throughout every step of those hard journeys. And in those dark moments, God's presence was there with us. And his love wrapped his arms around us. And he got me through it. And he got our family through it and here we are today still coming to church still worshiping him still magnifying him why because we've watched those who come before us and they kept pushing through and they kept doing it they kept living somebody hear me this morning I know it's heavy I know it's dark but you don't need to take another path just continue in what you have learned do not turn around, but you must continue in the things in which you have learned and been assured of that there is hope. Be assured that God is with you, that God is for you. Be assured that he came, that you may have life and have it more abundantly this morning. Be assured for those who are fearful this morning. For God says, do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Be assured, for the Lord makes firm the steps of the one who delights in him. Though he may stumble, which we all have, he will not fall, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. Be assured if you're weary this morning for my God said, come to me all who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. Be assured if you're worried about your, what your future holds for my God said, I know the plans that I have for you declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. 
Be assured if you're anxious this morning. For God said, do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Be assured this morning that God is still with you. He hasn't left you. He hasn't left you. God's going to be there for you. God's got you. Be assured this morning. Be assured. I'm closing. I'm going to start closing now. I know I haven't been real long this morning, but I want us to have plenty of time in these altars. Because the Lord spoke and said, I'm going to restore somebody this morning. I'm just here to tell somebody, be assured that when you come to the altar this morning, when you step out this morning, and when you lift your hands this morning, be assured that the God of restoration has already made plans to be here with you. He knew you were coming. Listen, there was a long list of people we called. Not everybody came this morning. There are some of you, I look out, I see your face, and I know who you are. We called you. We talked to you. We invited you. Thank you for coming because God knew you were coming. So therefore, be assured that God has something planned for you this morning. In closing, I'm going to go back to the story I opened with of the prodigal son because God revealed something to me in this parable that I hadn't yet seen. I want to share it with you this morning. It says that in this story that the prodigal son came to his father and he asked for his inheritance. He said, I would like for you to to go ahead and give me my inheritance because I don't want to stay here anymore. Father, I would like to leave. I would like to live a little. I'd like to experience life a little. So therefore, the father gave him what he wanted and he let him go. The story will tell you, I'm not going to read all the scripture, but the Bible will tell you that that this this young man left his household with his inheritance and he began to live this life that he thought was going to bring him so much happiness and joy and that he ends up spending all of his inheritance and when he does, those friends that he once had, he realized they are not there anymore because the money stopped flowing. So he is forced into finding a job with a local farmer and and he finds this farmer and says, can I work for you? And he puts him to work and and when he puts him to work, he ends up having to take care of the pigs and he's in the pig pen with the slop and he finds himself sitting in the middle of the pigs uh, eating the exact same slop that they are eating. And the Bible says that he came to himself. Well, pastor, what does that mean? That means he remembered his true identity and he remembered who his father was. And when he did, when he had that come to himself moment, there was something inside this young man. He said, I've got to go home. He, he, He wasn't assured that he would come back and be restored to, to the, the title into the position of a son. And he wasn't even expecting that. He said, what I've done to my father, he realized how good his daddy had been to him. 
and he said I've got to go home but there was something in him that he said he had an assurance that if I go home that my father will still be at home when I arrive no messenger came to him nobody came to him and said listen listen your dad's been waiting on you. And if you come back out of this pig pen, your dad's going to be waiting on you. No messenger came to him. He simply came to himself and had a picture in his mind of what it used to be like and the life he used to live. And he knew inside of him, he knew who his father was. And because he knew who his father was, he knew that if he said, if I get out of this pig pen and I start heading home, daddy's going to be there. His assurance was, my father's going to be at home. I don't know how he's going to greet me. I don't know if he's going to be happy to see me. But my assurance is, he'll be there. He'll be there. You see, we all too often in this story, we focus on the son the whole time. But I don't want to just focus on the son this morning. But I want to focus on the father. And I want to share with you what the Lord showed me what the father did in this parable after the son left. You see, the father watched his son from this different perspective, watched his son walk away from him in everything he had to offer him. It was much more than just money and finances. It was comfort of a shelter. It was a solid foundation that a home was built on. He said, you can live right here in peace and comfort. But yet he watched his son walk away out into this life, not knowing what he was going to get into, not knowing where he was going to go, not, want, not knowing, you know, I don't know what's going to take place to him. I don't know if he's going to survive this. But he watched his son leave. And the father watched his son walk away. But when you start to peel back the layers of this parable, you will begin to see that the father began preparations for a celebration long before the son ever returned. And by the time the son returned, there was a robe waiting on him. There was a ring waiting on him. There were sandals waiting on him. And there was the father that said, go get the fattest calf we have. Go get the fatted calf. You say, well, pastor, why is this significant? Well, understand that in my studies, I found out that in those days, was days of sacrifice that they would give sacrifice of a fatted calf that they would take a fatted calf and they would set it to the side in preparation not just for sacrifice but a celebration would come afterwards but they had to prep themselves for that day they had to focus on that calf and they had to make this that fatted calf so because in those days when they set these aside to raise them up for a special celebration, we can see here that the father, it tells us this one thing, this one thing, just as much as the son had an assurance that his father would be there waiting on him when he returned, the father was preparing with an assurance that his boy was one day going to come home. Yeah. You see... It is, as, it is as if the moment that the boy left, that the, fathers, that the father said to his servants, 
we got to start planning now for a homecoming party. We got to start celebrating now. And in my own mind's mind, in my own mind's eye, I pictured this. I could picture him saying, Goldsmith, won't you go start designing and preparing a ring for my boy? Oh, seamstress, go start weaving that robe and get it ready for my boy. Hey, shoemaker, go out and start assembling some sandals size 10 for my boy. Oh, and go set aside a calf to be fattened for my boy because I have assurance and assurance assurance that someday he'll be coming home and that's why when the father saw him in the distance the bible says that the father ran to his son and fell on him and kissed him listen listen no one had to come tell the father that his boy was walking towards the house why because the father, I believe every day, would go outside and look down the road because he had an assurance. Someday, my boy's coming home and I've got preparations taking place that my boy's coming home. And when he saw his boy in the distance, he ran to him and I just, again, this is me just giving you my, my mind's a, a picture of what I saw of this. I could see the father saying, staff, listen, servants, get the ring ready. Go now. Go get the robe. Get it ready. Because now my son has returned. It's time to celebrate. It's time for a welcome home party. Hear me this morning. It does not matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter how long you've been there. You could have walked away 20 years ago or you could have started walking away this morning. And some of you, even this morning, you thought about not even coming to church because you've been struggling with the darkness. You're not so assured what tomorrow holds. So you struggled. Do I even go this morning? But if it's been 20, 30, 40 years since you've graced the doors of the church, Or maybe it's been two or three weeks since you've been here and you've been struggling to get back. Doesn't matter if you could have walked away today or then. Rest assured this morning that the Father has been waiting your return. He knows where you're at. He knows what you've been going through. He knows where you were this morning. He knows the struggles that you dealt with this morning. He knows how hard it was to even get here to service. He knows that it's been a long journey back. He knows that you've been wanting to return. You just weren't sure how anybody would greet you and respond to it. Hear me this morning that the Father has been waiting for your return. I want us all to stand this morning. And in a minute, 
I'm asking that everyone in this room comes to this altar together. But I don't want anybody coming alone. If you're standing next to somebody, you can look at them and say, hey, let's, let's go together. Why? You say, Pastor, but I've been here every week for the last year. I haven't missed a Sunday. Oh, I know. But here's the thing, whether you've been here every day or whether it's been 10, 15 years, maybe it's been six months since you've been here. Everyone in this room, we all need assurance of restoration in Christ today. Why? Because Romans 3.23 tells me this, we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Every one of us. This is why Paul said, I died daily. Daily. I die daily. This is why every night when I pray, I pray, God, search my heart, my mind, search my spirit, God. If there's anything that's not of you, God, if I've sinned in any way, because there's probably a good chance that my flesh got in the way today and I did something stupid, Lord. God, but search me and forgive me of those things today, God. Forgive me. I do that, Bob, because I'm assured that I'm flesh and I probably messed up. But I'm also assured that he said my grace will be there. My mercy will be there. My love will be there. I'm telling you this morning, I say this with confidence, that there's about to be an outpouring of restoration in this room. There's about to be an outpouring of restoration in these altars. And that's why I don't care who you are, what your background is, where you came from. I don't care how long it's been since you've been here. It's for you today. Yeah. It's for me today. When the Lord spoke this to me this morning, I said, God, I want it. Restore me, God, if life has done any damage to me, God. If situations and sin has done anything to me, Lord. If the darkness of this world has messed with me in any way, God. Restore me today. If I'm asking you to respond to it, I want you to know this morning, I'm responding to the word of God this morning as your pastor. And I'm responding this morning because as I sit in my office, the Lord brought Joel 2, 25 to my mind. And I sat there and I just thought, God, you're going to do it today. He said, and I will restore to you won't you point to yourself and say to me he's talking to you right here in the scripture I will restore to you the years that the locust hath eaten that the canker worm and the caterpillar and the palmer worm he says I will restore it unto you my great army which I sent among you today is a day of restoration Here's the beauty of it. When you step out, and we step out here in a moment, 
and you start walking towards this, this altar, you can be assured this morning that the Father's standing here waiting on you, saying, welcome home, my child. Yeah. Welcome home. And the second thing you can be assured of is when you come up here, that assurance of restoration that he has spoken this morning that he's going to pour out upon you and upon your family and your home. So in this moment, I want you right now, I want you to just look at that person next to you and say, come on, let's go. We're going together. God's going to restore you today. God's going to restore what the enemy has taken. God's going to restore what yes. the enemy has tried to destroy in you. And when you come, I want you to just begin to lift your hands all over this place. Come on, I want you to get as close as you can. Make room up here. And I want you just to lift your hands all over this place right now. There are things that the enemy has tried to steal from you. There are things the enemy has tried to take from you. But I want you to come up this morning. If you would, just gather in. Keep coming in. Anybody on the side aisles, just make room for them to come in. Come on. Lift your hands. Begin to pray all over this place. Come on, ministers. I release you to be go, begin to go pray with people. Ministers, begin to go pray with people. Come on, people that are seeking restoration this morning. Come on, there are people. Come on, it might be your first time here. And what sin has done to you, God's going to restore today. Come on, God's going to pour out something new on you today. Come on, somebody in this room today, you can experience the outpouring of the Holy Ghost for the first time. Come on, that gift of God, His Spirit. Come on, somebody in this, day, in this room today, come on, you can be baptized in the precious name of Jesus. Come on, respond to what God is saying. Respond to His Word this morning. Respond to Him this morning. You know what it's done. You know the anxiety, depression is brought upon you. You know the struggles that you're dealing with in life. Come on, it's making you question. I see the tears flowing right now. I can see tears flowing down the faces. Come on. I see the brokenness and so does God. But God's saying, I've met you here. I've been waiting on you to come back. I've been waiting for you to come to an altar. And let me restore today that which the enemy has tried to destroy in you. Come on, Come on, God's restoring right now. Come on, come on, there's about to be an outpouring right now of restoration in this place. Oh, hallelujah, Lord. Come on, lift up your voice. Come on, cry out to him. Talk to him this morning. Oh, Come on, come on, come on.